You're listening to the Farmer Forecast podcast with Ag Econ's Janine Powell and John Welsh. Welcome everyone to the Farmer Forecast 2021 seasonal outlook for livestock and grain producers. What a difference rain and these cooler temperatures have made for such a pleasant summer and growing season. Although some areas in northern New South Wales and southern Queensland didn't fare so well with the much-anticipated 2020 La Nina turning up a lot later than expected and towards the end of the summer planting window. Before we reflect, tell me, John, this winter crop, what are we looking at, wet or dry? I'm not sure it's black and white, but certainly there are some positive signs on the horizon um, that are sort of a little hidden and nuanced through 2021. So considering some of the yearly analysis we've undertaken in the past, this one is stacking up certainly at the top end of, um, of good news, put it that way. Well, let's get into the details on that a little bit later. But first, let's learn what we can on reflection, John, about considering the forecast from last year and what the climate actually ended up delivering. Janine, I was only thinking with some downtime in the car recently, what the key learnings from what was a roller coaster 2020 would be and you know what we can do better to understand guidance and what we know from research to try and read the tea leaves a little better. Starting with the MJO last January and February, the record strength dry Indian Ocean dipole eventually decayed, as did the dry phase of the SAM. Enter a textbook Madden Julian Oscillation, so quite often those MJO spider diagrams need to be read with some guesswork or a bit of creative thinking, but goodness, it was very much the main player last year until May, which pretty much set up the whole New South Wales winter crop for the following uh, season. The MJO really did deliver rain when it was in strong phases, four and six, just like the theory suggested, you know, repeating every 15 to 25 days making this a really useful guide for decision-making. Well, like you said, the MJO diagram is pretty challenging to interpret, even for myself. Uh, You've actually done a YouTube recently that explains the MJO? Yeah, so hopefully it's making its way through the Cotton Info cutting room as we speak with Tonya Grundy. Hopefully that should shed some light on understanding the MJO processes that underpin wet and dry phases. So... The MJO essentially organises the tropics into wet and dry phases. It's a large rotating mass of moist air that moves through different phases along the equator. So was the MJO the only influence to the late coming La Nina? I mean, it was declared back in September, but some areas in Queensland are only just getting this rain for the first time now. A good point, Janine, and certainly I think it's worth spending a minute or two reflecting on that. As the media frenzy around the La Nina certainly built expectations around widespread general rain. But as you say, the oceans were in a La Nina state back in September, but the SOI was not having a bar of it. Basically, the atmosphere wasn't cooperating with that La Nina signal. Even with the SOI, when it did start to rise due to a rise in air pressure at the eastern node of Tahiti early in December. It wasn't actually until the low air pressure arrived at Darwin that the moisture filtered south into Eastern Australia just prior to Christmas, or anywhere even in the top end for that matter. The models were off the chart 
wet for November and December. We were really worried about having a wet harvest. Didn't they factor in the SOI? I mean, here in the north, we had a dry decile two month for November. I know we had three mills in November at our place, but that was a blessing, I guess, given the size and the value of the winter crop. It does seem like recent rain has healed the pain of that bad forecast to some extent. I guess it's a timely reminder of how valuable human analysis can be and not just follow model guidance blindly. I guess that's how we ended up doing this e-news after all, isn't it? Yeah. It's so hard to trust the black box outputs on, on their own. We did tease out some of those inconsistencies in, you know, which included the air pressure at Darwin in our November e-news and things weren't adding up. I guess we all just have very high expectations of the technology and their accuracy. Let's move on to the main topic now, the winter-spring outlook for Eastern Australia through 2021. So off to a great start here in northern New South Wales at least. We've had rain coming in like clockwork since February and our soil moisture profiles are pretty full. So even before we start planning, we're in a great place. All this happening in the absence of an MJO, mind you, which was a major player last year. So how do you explain that? So it's probably best we separate out New South Wales from Queensland so far in 2021. For New South Wales areas, apart from the odd small pocket, have had a fantastic start to the year. The SAM has been positive in wet phase and the broad-scale convection that has been parked over the centre of Australia this year has certainly opened up the moisture transport from the northwest of the continent down into these southern and eastern areas. This has streamed across the mid-latitudes and the SAM has allowed that moisture to penetrate into southern states. And the MJO is virtually buried in that large-scale mass of low air pressure from the La Nina. So it's almost as if the MJO has changed and is now camped on our continent in wet phase as well. Scientists tell us that the MJO is much easier to identify as it moves along the the equator without La Nina circulation interfering. So how is it different with Queensland then? It's funny, the researchers say we shouldn't use statistics or analogue years as a guide and stick to the general circulation models. But the way the warm oceans and convection were set up, it did look as though New South Wales was going to be the main beneficiary of the La Nina from as far back as October. We did actually sort through the chaff and had warned readers that this event was not going to be the much-anticipated you know, floods everywhere through the eastern half of Australia that the Bureau's Access S model had forecast. What may well have contributed to the areas of Queensland missing out is the cooler waters in the southern half of the Coral Sea, reducing convection and available moisture from those rain events. It was nothing like the 2010 benchmark event where all of the east coast was was very much girt by really warm convective waters in those areas. And that's what the broader models were comparing the analogue year that's for right. this. That's right. So these waters east of Queensland, uh, they're warming up now, aren't they? Yes, they are. And ANU researchers found that those local sea temps do contribute to, to moisture for rainfall along with convection from land processes, and hopefully those things will even out for those that need it further north. There is good consensus among global models for wet this autumn period. Ground truth with a bit of common sense as well, this next season does look pretty promising. 
Well, that's what we all want to see. So with things improving again this autumn, what should we be focusing on to look for for the winter and spring side of things? We've seen good planting conditions before, but then once the crop is established, that's it, no more rain. We certainly don't want that happening this year. What do you think the main players to watch are in 2021? Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned the players. Um, when it comes to players the, for climate drivers impacting this year's winter crop and, you know, the winter-spring season, it is a bit like a sporting competition. And right now it's in the off-season and nobody has played a game which makes form predictions difficult. See, El Nino Southern Oscillation and the Indian Ocean Dipole reset themselves now in our autumn. We have some guidance going out till the end of the year and both of these are looking at coming out of this reset phase towards really middle-of-the-road neutralish conditions. So what you're saying, as of mid-March, we have the ENSO and the IOD looking to be neutral. So is it a case of we need to reassess again in a month or so's time when the international models publish their forecasts? That makes decisions for a six-month winter crop pretty tricky or someone looking to grow out their sheep or cattle progeny, doesn't it? I mean, when we don't have a wet or dry signal for the climate. Yes, it does. I guess it's one of those years where you almost need one foot on the brake and one foot on the accelerator at the same time. The most interesting signal at the moment, though, with those indicators pointing towards neutral, is the wet phase of the Madoki Index, which we are still currently in. Now, this wet phase doesn't affect everywhere, but rather is best confined to areas, say, where cotton has grown and the northern half of the Murray-Darling Basin and the catchments to the east for simplicity in broad terms. Well, the Madoki, it's a relatively new indicator. Do you just want to refresh those listening what it is? We know from our interview with Professor Toshio Yamagata in Japan last year that it's a word that means similar but different. And how this labelling came about was a complete accident. I remember, John, when we were talking to Professor Yamagata and he was explaining about after he discovered the Mudoki Index and that he had the journalists in his room who were asking him what the name was. And he said, oh, well, it's a a Mudoki Nino. And little did he know they all took that as gospel and the next day in the newspapers everything was about the Madoki Nino so that was a complete accident. Fame had arrived on his doorstep. (laughs) Claim to fame. To explain it in technical terms the Madoki indicator it's another type of El Nino or La Nina where the distribution of warm water and convection is more nuanced than traditional measurements of El Nino southern oscillation. So another version Are the wet-dry indicators always aligned or can they be at odds? Yes, spot on. So it is another version. And yes, it would be simpler if the labelling had nothing to do with El Nino or La Nina actually because the mainstream indicator can be going one way and the Madoki indicator another. So in its raw form, for those of us in Eastern Australia's summer cropping zone, the La Nina Madoki can deliver moisture to these areas when the traditional Nino indicators may be neutral or even in dry phase, essentially showing, you know, nothing to see here. Well, I guess it's a good thing if it's predicted to be in the wet phase this year. But, John, you're saying that the 
uh, Enzo is kind of in a reset phase. So does the Madoki, is it relevant for different time periods for our climate? Yes, that is right. And it also does, it's one of the few drivers we have that does impact our autumn climate, um, our late autumn climate, whereas much of the Enso and IOD doesn't really kick in until the winter months. So the, the Madoki index is a function of ocean temperatures. And the, the best thing about that as an indicator, as apart from atmospheric indicators, it doesn't change much. So there's reasonably good um, predictability and uh, because it's low frequency, we think that where it is at the moment, uh, it will sort of continue on and it's planned, predicted to, to stay in that wetter phase through to our winter at least. Certainly one to keep an eye on. Yes, there's actually quite an interesting story about how it was discovered back in the 1990s. Back then, the, the benchmark Nino 3.4 index, it was off the chart dry one autumn and the ocean at depth was saying, you know, this dry phase was going to continue. And back then, scientists touted this event as being the El Nino event of the century, well in advance of it occurring due to this huge mass of warm water shifting towards the American continent away from Australia. I remember because the Bureau were putting out dire forecasts and warnings that it was time to prepare for for drought Armageddon and even send the pot plants away on adjustment. (laughs) Was that the horrid 1994 drought? No, it wasn't that year. Um, That was another Madoki event that we can look back on now and is kind of part of the story of how it was discovered. It was actually 1997 and it came in and rained during this supposed record El Nino event and the nation grew a big 25 million tonne wheat crop. They must have been so confused looking back then to, with what we know now. It wasn't for another 10 years of research that the scientific community, led by the Japanese researchers, that they needed to include additional monitoring areas in the Pacific Ocean to better understand moisture circulation during these different ENSO events. Wow, I bet that rain during the strong El Nino year was a very good surprise. So, just so I'm clear, this year's winter crop and the longer term outlook, we need to be aware of three things. The main ENSO indicators, which look neither wet or dry, And then we've got the Indian Ocean wet or dry phase is indicating neutral too, but it's the Madoki, which looks like it could stay in wet phase for at least winter and maybe spring. With what we know at the moment, yes, that's right. This is important because the communications that we'll see in mainstream media will likely waffle on about neutral conditions and the 50% chance or even money of wet and dry conditions without any detail around Madoki. Like all these things, it's related to other things in the climate as well, which is also a bit more good news if you live in central eastern Australia anyway. Yes, it's certainly having that deeper understanding of some of these other climate factors that are strong influences, such as Madoki. And I tell you what, I'm always interested if it's good news for our area. So the phases of the Madoki tend to have linkages with the Indian Ocean Dipole and the Southern Annular Mode. Sometimes they follow suit. This is not evident just now, but as the Indian Ocean is very erratic this time of year for the next few months. But knowing it could be dragged 
into wet phase together with the southern annular mode all augurs well for moisture transport into New South Wales and Queensland agricultural areas. Well, that's all fairly technical, but good to know that things could stay wet and we might end up with another strong winter crop this year. So there has been some other research on climate drivers, the Madoki and the Indian Ocean Dipole, in terms of the national crop size and how that could help people make crop selection based on supply and demand later in the year. Yes, there has been. The Japanese researchers, they do seem to know more about our backyard than we do. In 2015, the same climatology team published a study in Nature on the leading drivers of our wheat crop yield over time using very sophisticated regression techniques to account for seasonality and technological progress, etc. So which of these climate drivers showed the highest sensitivity to the nation's grain production? Yes, well, it did vary between geographies, probably as you'd expect. So the Victorians and the South Australians, their production was very sensitive to the Indian Ocean Dipole which is plausible, whereas New South Wales and Queensland cereal production is quite sensitive to the Madoki phases, yes. Well, that's pretty interesting and actually quite relevant for crop choice given the record amounts of cereals currently in storage on the east coast at the moment. So hypothetically speaking, if the Madoki stays in wet phase for this winter crop, then there could be even more grain in the system. If what this very detailed study suggests and looking at the current Madoki forecast then yes it would seem. It would definitely be worth anyone sitting around the table during morning tea to run that scenario before just planting under a business as usual scenario absolutely. There are price ramifications if we get another big crop in New South Wales you would have to think. Well, obviously the price is determined by the world's supply and demand, but our domestic consumption of grain does have a cap on it. So the rest of it's either going to have to be exported or kept in storage. So it sounds like Madoki is something we really need to follow and get our heads around. Another recap. The autumn planting period, you would have to say, is very optimistic with the current moisture profiles and the seasonal outlook. We just need a few things to happen, like this cool coral seed warm-up and then return to more normal levels. That's right. There is also warm water off the Ningaloo Reef in Western Australia as a result of the La Nina. And that can stream moisture down across the continent eastwards when air pressure patterns are set up like they are now. There is actually an index called the Ningaloo Nino, so scientists use to track this warm water and convection, and it's currently indicating wet now. For me, this is quite exciting as a Ningaloo Nino, like the current one, occur more frequently in multi-decadal wet cycles, and we've just had a very dry one for eight years now, which is very encouraging after what we've been through, but probably a story for another day. Well, Another Nino as well. It seems to me that the Madoki and perhaps this Ningaloo Nino are just more refined calculations on the broader and older Enzo calculations. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that is right. That is right. <laughs> well, I think we might need to have a bit of a focus on that in our next Farmer Forecast email update. So just wrapping up then, is there anything more worth covering off At this early stage, given what we've covered, I mean, what could a livestock producer glean from this technical overview? 
So as a livestock producer, I'd actually be feeling pretty comfortable at the moment, just the way the calendar year is shaping up, uh, given the medium-term outlooks and you know the amount of grass in fields at the moment. The likelihood of four sales, you would have to say, would be relatively small. Hopefully those guys listening in Queensland catch up, particularly in southern areas, on rainfall totals this autumn period. Probably the only reminder is that the climate is a moving feast and the main drivers are still finding their feet. It's a bit like trying to pick teams for the NRL semi-final before the season has actually started and there are limitations with that but we must start somewhere. The outlook and the start we've had is fantastic and as we know from 2017 and 2018 though, the tap can turn off. So staying engaged with information regularly is very important in a year like this one. So let's hope we get back-to-back La Niñas and a wet phase of the Indian Ocean. That would be great. Oh, wouldn't it? Thanks everyone for joining our 2021 Winter Growing Season Outlook podcast. 